Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to another fantastic book club. Very excited to have that my guest, who is Richard Ioadi, and his book that he has written all on his own with some someone help with the illustrations, is the book that no one wanted to read. Hello, Richard. Hello. Thank you for having you? me on this podcast. It's very exciting. Well, I've been trying to get you on uh, Rahalastapur, the main podcast, for a long time. So it's, this is exciting for me yes. to have you for this little bit. Uh, and also, we had lots of computer problems, and that is funny because you were in the IT crowd, and so that's funny that yeah. it went wrong. It, it's good. It? It's it's good yeah. that that's become prophetic. <laughs> um, look, tell me first of all, Richard. We're very. Was there a very serious book club here? We talk very seriously about books. Good. Tell me about books you've written before the book that no okay. one wanted to read. Yes. Well, I've written three books, which I guess you would say are kind of books to do with films but uh have a sort of parodic feel to them or they're 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 via faber who do all those director on director series and um you know if herzog has a big thing to say about the state of the medium he will he'll release that through faber and so it seemed um 
uh, funny perhaps to try and publish with them and to have this uh, <laughs> kind of ludicrous series of books talking about the state of cinema and all of that kind of stuff. So I, so they the first one was, a, I guess, like an interview with a director in that kind of realm, that, one of those books. And the second one was like those books that tell you how to write films and how all stories are essentially the same and here are the rules like a Robert McKee thing. And the last one, I guess you would say, is in the monograph tradition <laughs> where, say, Pauline Kael does a big book about Citizen Kane and gives you all the textual analysis. But rather than some great masterpiece of cinema, it's about View from the Top, a Gwyneth Paltrow yes. rom-com, a flight stewardess, you know, expose. It- I I did listen to the audiobook of that one a year or two ago. It's incredibly enjoyable. I mean, it's um, it's very funny. I've not seen the film. It did make me want to watch the film, but I decided yes. not to watch the film. Well, you're not alone in that decision. <laughs> um, I I think many people have decided to swerve you from the top. It's an yeah. interesting piece of work, for sure. I don't know that it it's... could be made again. Although I think Netflix now, I think there are films coming back that are in the view from the top tradition of um, ex- expensive films that feel like they could not really be screened <laughs> um, to, to huge numbers of people. Well, it's, you know, it's, I had a quick look at it to, today uh, to remind myself about it. And it's, it's very, I mean, it's, it, you really need to read or, or I think preferably listen to you reading it on the audio book. Um, but it's, a, you know, it's, it sort of transcends sarcasm. It's sarcastic, but it's sort of it, it's. I, I, I love that's. I love anything that goes into way too much thought about something that wasn't designed to be really thought about, and that is that is what this book is. It's a long, yeah. a, it's a long look at a film that doesn't need more than a paragraph written about it, really, isn't it? But it, but but by yeah. doing so, um, it reveals a lot about you actually, as well as well as the the film. There's there's autobiographical elements to this as well. Yes, there's sort of fake autobiography um, in the sense that I like um, people who use analysis as an excuse for self uh, revelation. So yeah. I, I like the idea of saying, and in a way, I'm much like Botticelli's Venus, and 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 tell us why. So. Yes, I, I like the idea of uh, taking something that no one would wish to have discussed in depth. No one making View from the Top thought they were making the most important <laughs> film of all time. So it seemed funny to treat it as if it was the most important film of all yeah. time and and really relish details which you imagine will not necessarily have been thought about at all. No, it's true. but But as you say, as much as it is... Uh, a parody of that. Well, it's sarcastic and, and and maybe slightly mean about the film. It's more about criticism itself that is the real target of it. So it's 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 enjoyable because you could think, oh, this is a bit nasty and mean to be yes. on well, poor old Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, yes, my <laughs> hope was that you know, in the unlikely incident <laughs> or, or or situation where our paths crossed. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I would be being sued or something yep. and that I could look um, and and feel that I had not desecrated humanity and that, yeah, the, the target really is the idea of someone who's taken themselves terribly seriously. I mean, she n- knew what she was doing and it's very clear that her part is, uh, you know, she, 
this is not the part into which she is pouring her soul. And everyone's fine with that. Mike Myers is a brilliant comic performer, but this probably was something that only took two days. And that's absolutely fine. So in a way, my hope was to not take a film that's so self-evidently terrible that you're kind of kicking something while it's down, but something where everyone is more than capable of taking care of themselves. Mark Ruffalo, everyone knows, is very good. He's a great actor. But there's something slightly silly about just even pretending to be in these scenes. There's something inherently funny about Gwyneth Paltrow pretending to be someone who worked on a low budget airline. And there's just, she's never, she will have never been on a low budget airline. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. It's just, yeah, there's something funny sometimes when you get someone playing, you know, a brain surgeon and it's yeah. some, uh, you know, person who's obviously a real Valley kid from Los Angeles who <laughs> would think that would be the the squarest thing to possibly ever have done. <laughs> well, it's good, and there's some stuff about sliding doors in there, which I'm upset. Which would yes. probably be my choice of writing yes. a whole book about a film would be sliding doors. I, I have a lot to say about. Yes, uh, I have a lot to say about the film, which I have largely said. I did like your observation, which I probably is, isn't what I've made. Uh, that everyone in the film specifically asked for Grosh. It's so strange. It's such a specifically odd order to make in a film that's trying to have as broad an appeal as possible, (laughs) that in a way it would be less disruptive just to have inserted a commercial for Grosh. You know, there used to be a a kind of a clown sort of comedy game. Did you ever come across this where someone, say, auditioning to play Hamlet, but they also uh, know that the director's casting a washing commercial, like for a washing (laughs) art powder. And so they have to subtly work that into the Hamlet audition by (laughs) making gentle lathering movements. And so it's a kind of game of where the audience knows what's going on and it's quite a fun sort of silly game to play. That's what the Grolsch situation feels like in Sliding Doors. Well, it really doesn't feel like it's... Pro- I mean, it maybe it was product placement. Maybe they got paid. But I don't think it is. I think Peter Howitt, Joey yeah. from Bread, who yes. created this work and directed it and, and was in it occasionally uh, as one character, I think he just thought what cool people like is Grosh and yeah. therefore everyone's going to drink Grosh. And I don't think he got a penny from Grosh for doing it. Yes, maybe he just thought, look, let's be specific here. This is about reality. This is about truth. People don't order a beer just a beer, they'll they'll use a brand. And Grolsch is what's happening in London now. (laughs) And inadvertently, we're giving Grolsch even more oxygen currently. Yes, I've just disappeared from my screen, Uh, but hopefully, um, uh, I don't think that matters as long as Peter Howard intervening. That is, you know, it's a a, a, a terrible thing. I think I will not risk coming back, if you can can bear not seeing me. Yes. Do you want, do you want my uh, picture to remain up? Uh, yeah, I do want okay, your picture sure. because I love, I love to see <laughs> you. Chris is, Chris is trying to re-establish me as okay. long as we're recording. Oh, yes, fine. It's an audio, it's, it's an audio podcast. Okay, yes. Um, uh, good. Well, look, let's move on to uh, as much as I would like to talk to you about sliding doors for an hour, but maybe I'll get you on to but to do that yes. another time. Um, let's talk about the book that no one wanted to read and tell me... Uh, yeah, what, what, what is this book and why did you want to write this book? Well, it's, um, I realised that I have a, a great difficulty in describing books that I've done 
effectively or in any way that makes them sound appealing. And this continues, unfortunately, in that tradition. Um, but I think it is essentially about a a, a book um, who has never been read, who in an old, dusty library encounters a child who takes an interest in this book. And it's uh, really a story about the child persuading the book to allow it to be read, I suppose. That's the story. Yes. That's the story. And why did, what, what, um, what prompted you to go, well, A, why did you want to write for children? I know you have to have children. Yes. Might be the reason, but, uh, and, and, and what this is, I mean, you know, it's a, a particular, particular Richard Iardy way of coming at things, I think, but why, yeah. <laughs> why did you want to personify a, a, a book? Well, I think, I think it was one of those things where just the idea occurred and it just that this is what was the outworking of it. So I didn't, um, sit down to try and write a book for children. It's just one of those ideas that um, rattles around for a while. And then I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. And so this is just slightly what emerged, which is not a terrific anecdote, but there wasn't any <laughs> incrementalizing. And I don't know, I've, I've written one other uh, book that will um, arrive at some point later uh, also for children, but I don't necessarily have any plans to do more or to, for it to become uh, yes. a thing I do unless another idea occurred. So, yeah, that, that's the not great Parkinson story <laughs> other than just going, I don't know, there's just there's something about the idea of what would happen if you tried to narrate a book from the point of view of a book. And you have uh, lots of stories which is – you know, in children's books where an animal is talking or a monster or a child. And I just started thinking, what would it feel like if a book told you a story? And if a book was very annoyed at how books were talked about and portrayed and <laughs> stories and how no one really understands the danger that books are in and how dependent they are on finding a reader and how, yes. how, uh, how upset that must make all books and um, that books that are pulped if a book is not appealing, that a book is literally destroyed, shredded <laughs> and turned into toilet paper, uh, yes. seem quite a high stakes uh, situation for books trying to please their readers. Well, it is. And look, I because I've got kids, I read a lot of kids books. And uh, this one is, you know, it's of itself. And that's a good thing. I think what's lovely about it as an adult I would read this book anyway, even if I didn't have kids, and I'm sure many comedy fans will. But it's enjoyable uh, for the adults to read it. It's it's quite a, I mean, it's a philosophical book, which I think a lot of uh, the best kids books are, even if they're very very simple. Which this one is not isn't a, a super simple book for like young kids. But I think when you get into the philosophy and things that make you, there's plenty of questions in there to make people think and children think, which I love. Well, you're very kind. Well, I think, well, with having children is that they ask a lot of questions and you realise <laughs> um, that you don't know anything and um, how the extent to which you're just busking and um, taking a lot of things for granted that really you shouldn't. Um, and so, yes, in a way, hopefully those questions are uh, sort of fun and enjoyable things to be asking and uh, and aren't too much in the realm of a, a test or some 
sense of no, uh, they're, uh, no, they're not. Well, they they're very. You know, I think like what is a book is a great is a great question to ask when reading a book, and and beautiful to describe it. You describe it as a delivery vehicle, uh, basically to to transport ideas to to people. But it, but even discussing that, or when a tree falls in a forest, does any yeah. does, does it make a sound? Those are great things. Yeah, you know, those are just the kind of questions you want to talk yeah. to. I came up and, with a tree in the forest. That was uh, that was <laughs> me. That's that your a, question. That's, I. Uh, <laughs> And I'm pleased finally to establish copyright on it because it had been in the culture <laughs> um, unremunerated for too long. But also to subvert it and and question the question as well, which which you managed to do within the book, I think is going. Mean, if a book becomes illegible, what is it? That's a that's a great question. So if a book is if you yeah. can't read a book, what what does it become? You know, these are the and what what age range is this book? aimed at or, you, or did you not think of that or do you not I, care about well that? i didn't think about that you become aware of these questions when people say what what are we going to do with this now that you've come <laughs> along with this ridiculous uh pile of words and so i don't know i think eight and over yeah would be fine uh, you, i also think there's sometimes a kind of pressure for children to uh, display precocity so i can see people really pushing their children to read books <laughs> that they should not be re- you know sort of nudging them towards going, i think you might like this hemingway book and you go i don't i don't think you are gonna like this hemingway book not because you can't physically read the words it's just i, I just don't know how interested you are in um you know bullfighting um <laughs> <laughs> at this stage you, that comes later obviously when you're 12 and 13 that's when you really like to uh, get into bullfighting so yeah i think over eight but it, it remains to be seen again a huge flaw in the sales pitch of <laughs> and um i i i just don't know you know that i've i've sometimes um uh spent not lots of times but times with musicians and you have this great curiosity about how they make music and what they do. And, and they literally just, they're not trying to be difficult. They just go, I just, <laughs> I, they're, they're not even apologizing. What I like about musicians, they don't even apologize for not being able to talk about it. They just go, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they just, uh, and I, I feel uh, really bad and obstreperous, but, um, I, I wish I knew what age. What age do you think it would I be? I think you're probably for? right. But what I like, and why I think it succeeds, and what it, having again, having read a lot of children's books, I think the ones that work are the ones that don't patronise, and the one this feels like a book written for adults, and I think kids will appreciate that, even though you know it's 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 written in a way that certainly kids will understand. But there are words in there that a kid mm. will have to say, "What does that mean?" Or I'm not sure what that had to pronounce that if I'm reading it. And that's a brilliant thing in a book. That's what a book should be. Yeah. As an adult, you sh- as an adult, you should be reading books and going, "Oh Christ, what's that? I've never seen that word before. What's that?" Yes. So you know, that's that's part of the the process. But I think by treating the read I and mean, the reader in this book is a character in the book as well, which is a, a really lovely. Uh, yeah, idea as well. Uh, but by treating them as, as you know, by not going right, I'm going to write for kids. I, you know, I think that's that is absolutely the correct response. And I don't, I see, I don't think Roald Dahl sat down and thought what's appropriate to write for children, did he? I think he no. just wrote what he thought. He didn't seem to. No, at all. and uh, you know, it's it oddly Roald Dahl was one of the first um, writers where I remember reading about how he wrote 
And I remember loving hearing that he had all of these pencils sharpened in a row and his um, hand where I think he had an electric uh, pencil sharpener on his desk and he had this little tray over his lap in the shed. And I had a book about how he wrote it, about nine or ten. And just since then, the idea of a writer and the idea of books and the way he talks about books and the way he kind of talks to you directly and says, "Okay, so now we're going to do this. I found really exciting. I always loved it. I I always find somehow it quite silly when someone pretends that we don't know this is a book yeah. or we don't know this is a film or I I do like that sense of it's why credit sequences are fun. You know, there's no sense <laughs> of just going, "Oh, maybe maybe this is real the A team." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this really happens. And he goes, this didn't happen. This is to delight you. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, I think that's all lovely. I bet, and there's loads, of, you know, there's lots of things. I think like, I like the bit you talk about bestsellers and, and, and what that means. But like also, you know, I think you're right. The word bestseller should only, there should only be one book. That's, if you're going to have bestseller, it should be one book. Yes, yes. It's probably by J.K. Rowling, isn't yes, it? Yes, that's the bestseller. Maybe Richard Osman. I think it's the Bible. The Bible's the bestseller, the surely. The Bible, yeah. The, and then yeah, all the rest well. are, are more sellers or um, <laughs> better sellers than others. Um, so yeah. yes, I think yeah. In the book, I think the book suggests they should just be called more sellers. Yeah, um, yeah. it's uh, it's very you know. So there's a lot. There's loads of jokes. There's and there's loads of things to bend your mind and think about. Um, I thought there was a. I mean, you talk about books with tigers. You should run away from tigers. But it reminded. There's a book called which I quite like. Uh, it, it won the Waterstones Prize, illustrated book category by Lizzie Stewart called "There's a Tiger in the Garden." Oh yes. And there's just a, there's a bit in it. So there's a girl who's t- there's told there's a kind tiger in the garden. She won't believe it, and then she finds the tiger, and she says, "Are you real?" Says Nora. "I don't know." Says the tiger. "Are you?" Nora thinks about this for a long time. "I don't know." She admits. "How can you tell?" And the tiger says, "I'm not sure you can." 
uh, which I kind of, you know, oh. that is quite mind-blowing for a book that's aimed at yes. three or four-year-olds, because, of course, neither of them are real anyway. And so... <laughs> yes, that was a good exchange. I like yeah. it when children... And children are really uh, inter-questioning um, inter what different realities, like any child with a soft yes. toy, if you say, so, is is the, is that hungry? If you say, is your uh, toy tiger hungry? One, they might go, how dare you, this isn't a toy, and we'll give you the toy's full name. And they'll either say, it doesn't eat anything, it's a toy, why are you being so ridiculous? <laughs> or they'll have a really elaborate meal plan, like, you know, <laughs> peanut yeah. butter and worms. And <laughs> so I like how fluid it is. And then if you go with them for a little bit for a while, they'll just go, no, I also washed this tiger in the machine. And so yes. I, I like that you're just never able to second guess what children say, they're, and they're completely unrepentant about changing the rules in the middle of a yes, sentence. And, it's, and that and that imagination, you know, and and it's my daughter last night came downstairs. You know, she's seven, and we just watched Harry Potter five, which I think again, as as kids, as the films go on, they become much much more inappropriate for the young kids who want to yeah. watch them. Uh, but she came, having seen like death and all this sort of stuff. She came downstairs and said she was worried about dying. And I kind of remember that, that, those sort of times when you'd lie in bed as a seven-year-old worrying about what death meant and what, what infinity meant and getting your mind absolutely blown by yes. the idea of the universe never ending and what's beyond, you know, and if, if God created the world, who created God and all those stupid questions that you ask yourself as a seven-year-old. But they absolutely are, at that when you see it, it's happened for the first time. It's just mind-blowingly terrifying yeah and so i say so those are will... still pretty good questions <laughs> yeah, good questions I think they're, and they're still scary i think they remain the good questions yes <laughs> yeah so. so you know but it's i think it's it's sort of interesting to to pose this stuff and uh now i, I kind of want you know we, uh, to begin with i thought it was going to be a book i don't want to give too many spoilers away for our adult audience listening to this but i begin with because uh, the book's sort of reluctant to be read the, the the book that no one wanted to read is yes. reluctant to be read and it's sort of hiding away and i thought it was going which i suppose it, i think it slightly is about this but it's about i thought the book we were going to have a lesson about how you have to get out you know have to risk being judged in order to yes uh, and 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 it's in order to live, but it's but it's terrifying, the idea of someone judging you, yes, and what, and what you are and who you are and whether you're any good, yes, is so frightening that that in some senses hiding away in a forgotten corner of the library is is a is a response, but it's not the right response. Is is that something you wanted to look at? Well, again, it was one of those things where you try not to um, have a, a specific didactic. A message because it just ends up being in some way silly um uh simply because it, it's never one thing you know there are very good reasons not to be overly open there are good reasons to protect yourself and and tentatively to find out about someone i think one of the things that happens conversationally is that people spend a little time testing one another to see whether they're willing to be able to be seen or, or read in sure. a certain way. So yeah. I, I don't think, uh, hopefully it shouldn't land on just one thing, but hopefully the idea is that the two, the reader and the 
and the book meeting one another, which is what maybe you hope for in reading or, or writing, is that there is a kind of meeting where both something happens in a way that yeah. can't happen without either one. And so maybe the, but all of these things I'd have to say are completely, uh, all things that I would have thought about or since being married to my wife, Lydia, who is uh, extremely relational and a huge reader and would, uh, so in a way I feel I was probably just ventriloquizing ideas that she will uh, be able to, <laughs> Uh, express much better than I, and 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 will I'm sure express much better than I uh, in a in a much better book. Uh, I was saying, Again, I'm, a great sales pitch for, for me for this particular no, no, this, book. I know people are going to buy this book and love this book, so you don't have to worry about the sales pitch because it's going to sell, and it's and and rightly so. To for kids will love it. I absolutely know. I haven't because I didn't have a physical copy of it. I haven't yet uh, yes. tried it out with my with my with my daughter, but I will do when as soon as I have a physical copy. Oh, uh, well, and you're very um, kind. Uh, but no, I'm sure. I mean, I know she will will uh, love it. And and because all, again, uh, slight spoilers here if you if you are interested in being surprised by the book. But it's sort of about um, the the book turns out to be uh, empty. I hope that's not too yeah. much of a giveaway in this podcast. Uh, and so it's about the creative urge and the fact that any you know a, a blank page and a blank book is open to whatever you as a, a person wants to to put in it. Do you consider? I mean, maybe you were going to do this, but it seems like you should mark. You should sell this with with the book. And or do you think that's too is that too uh, much? Of a yes, uh, you should have the book as as a double package. So you have the book and you have the book about the book. Yes, there should be a book about the book and a and an empty book in which to write a new yeah. book. Yes, yeah. Um, I think it's just paper costs at this stage. Um, <laughs> they're just looking to cut. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, ideally to just release it as a gas or a PDF, <laughs> uh, yes. just to, yes, prevent shipping. But yes, yeah, I I, um, I like um, things that, I don't know, even, you know, th- this might sound too highfalutin, but I, I've always loved things like A Pale Fire and um, books about books and, and things that talk about the process of it and or, or just something like, say, the film Singing the Rain. There seems something very uh, kindly about being invited in and someone showing, and also quite childish about saying, come come and have a look at how this thing works. And Or like Morecambe, yeah. I think that's what was, I loved about Morecambe Wise, that they just went, we're about to put on a show. There's something <laughs> yeah. really nice about that uh, because yeah. you sort of feel on their side or or the Muppets or something. So yeah. my, my hope was more to be in that kind of... Uh, uh, tradition. Having started Nabokov, I I, I downed, I downed the, the kind of uh, um, ambition to to make it more relatable. But I I love the idea, you know, and I think this will, and certainly for someone like my my daughter, I'm sure you know she, the, the, it will spark so much. And she's you know the create as all kids are, they're all creative, they're either drawing or coming up with stories or just coming up with nonsense. They're, 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 the mind is so creative, so the idea of just you know, realizing, oh, I can go away and I can, I'm allowed to create a book. It's just such a nice, yes, you know, such a, a strong and message. I mean, it's a book. Of, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a love story with with a book, and that which is a great thing. You know, it's it's encouraging people to read, which is a good thing. It's sort of admitting that, um, you know, it is about the it's that connection that you find with, and you don't find it with every book, of course. You don't. No. Find, in fact, you don't find it with many books. You get a connection, and and a book will 
stay with you. And I think that, that really happens for kids, doesn't it? There are kids that there are books that you read as a kid. Yes, for sure. That you, is that what is there a book that you read as a kid that would would have stuck with you to this day? Well, I loved Roald Dahl. You know, I really loved him, and also because my mum was Norwegian, so I felt really uh, connected to the fact that he was Norwegian. There weren't many. There was, uh, of course, Aha. That was a, a big deal as well. Again, yes. Norway. And uh, so that was a big thing. And Watership Down, um, I loved. and um, But also uh, Spike Milligan, uh, which yeah. was a bit, I knew it was a bit too complicated for me and I didn't understand all of it, but it seemed there was something, uh, I don't know, there seemed there's something good over there and I wanted yeah. to look at, to, I don't know, to try and understand it. And so, yeah, again, but that is again, it is the people who treated kids as that, you know, he's, he's someone who didn't write down to kids, does he? he? He sort of understood the imagination, he understood madness, and that, that again, I think, feeds into being a child, but also, you, yeah, I mean, there was something he wasn't s- scary. I think Roald Dahl was a little bit like as a person, as you know, he was a bit scary. Was I think, I mean, I suppose Spike, you'd be he could be scary, yeah, <laughs> I don't think you got that as a reader, yeah, yeah but um. But, you know, but it was, you knew, you know, maybe it's why Jimmy Savile was so successful. You knew there was something inappropriate about him and that made him somehow, there was something, and I'm not saying that about, sure. <laughs> about Spike Milligan in any way, but, yeah. uh, but you know, the, the inappropriateness uh, is what, as a child, makes you go, oh, you're not like a, a normal grown-up. You're, you're, you're behaving in a way that, you, you know, you shouldn't behave and it's, it's, you know that's kind of interesting, isn't it? To the to, as a reader, I suppose. Yes. Well, the, sorry the, for bringing sorry for bringing Jimmy Savile. Well, it was inevitable. It was otherwise, <laughs> it was otherwise a good, good. good point. But, but with Spike Milligan, <laughs> you just felt that he uh, had a, a good sense of uh, what was silly all the time, and that he knew that um, adults didn't always know what was up, and that he was uh, happy to to point out how ridiculous they were and i think uh roald dahl was the same he would just go well look at these people who are supposedly teachers and grown-ups <laughs> and they're meant to be doing but and i'm going to show you what they're really like and so that was always quite thrilling as a child that oh you can that they might not be right adults that yeah. they might not yeah. always know what's going on and um so that's i guess plays to your kind of vanity as a child that somehow you're you might be vindicated in some of the things that you like and it's okay to like sweets and uh yes. yeah and just that his enjoyment of things rolled down and spike millican they really feel like they enjoyed things and that's quite uh nice to be yeah. around and i think again the jokes are not you know they're not talk. they're not dialing it down for kids they're not trying you know a lot of children's books and some of them still are funny we'll try to go okay we'll do the poo the wee we'll do all yeah. this sort of stuff that's what kids like yeah but to actually and, and, and this book as well your book as well as spike Megan and Roald Dahl, it's you know these are the kind these are the quality of jokes that you would put in uh, an adult book and i think that's you know it's not it's not in it, that not obviously you wouldn't necessarily put in some of the jokes you put in that book in a kids book, but it's the quality yeah. and it's the it's the framing of the joke and it's the you know the the inventiveness of the ideas. It's I think because as a kid I was really into comedy right from the beginning, uh, and certainly as a teenager. But even before before that, you know, I knew the difference between 
what was good comedy and what was you know what was duff comedy or what was hack comedy i knew at least that difference and i knew when something exciting came along and you would you know you really would you go oh you would write read spike malingo wow this guy is yeah is really funny not this isn't Giles Brandreth putting together a silly dictionary of funny words, which was still a good book, Giles. Uh, but this is this is mm. yeah, this is something I should I almost shouldn't be allowed to see, but I am allowed to see. Yes, well, and and you also have the sense that they can't uh, just be done in another how to put it in another form. Like sometimes, you know, I don't know whether you had those sort of bumper books of jokes for kids. Um, yeah, and there's something. Uh, always a bit ghostly about them because they're disembodied you know and it somehow doesn't feel right that anyone ought to be able to do a joke the thing about particularly about spike milligan is that only he could do those jokes and you feel that he can in a certain sense help himself from making those jokes and so the hope for this was just well what would come if you just followed this premise through just what would occur so in a way i wasn't necessarily in a certain way, trying to make it funny. You know, I, I didn't think, oh, well, this is a book with lots of jokes. But maybe you start to realise that maybe something being interesting means it has to sometimes be funny if you're a certain kind of personality. I think yeah. I maybe wrongly equate funny with being interesting, <laughs> which no, is not is fun, the right it, thing but to it do is, sometimes. Because being funny is about, you know, I think being truly funny is about seeing something from... It's it's a weird combination because it's seeing something from a new perspective, but that is also recognisably true. And that's but those two things colliding. It's not obviously all jokes, but it's some at the, at the very basis of a joke is the collision yeah. of a new idea, but it being a true idea, but it's somehow play, hiding in plain sight. Back to Jimmy Savile. Yeah, uh, there yes. is, there is, there's been this amazing. When uh, will your book about good. Jimmy Savile be finally coming out? <laughs> pretty soon good yes pretty soon but uh, but you know i think that's 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 what you know the things that you that come up in this are are mind-boggling to an adult and make and make an adult think so you know i think to 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 present that to a child as well and make them think about those things whilst being entertaining and whilst coming up with with perfectly good and rational uh humorous ideas about these things i think is is great but i think it will you know i think just that the the whole the whole you know the journey is to spark off creativity and i think that's that's what's so smart about this and it, you know it is and you're you know you're a you're you work on a different uh level to and i'm not saying it's a better that makes it sound like it's better than other people which i'm not saying that well let's not rule mic. this out can we <laughs> I, I, I don't think we should be ruling this out it may it may I'm be not ruling it, it may be better than everything that's ever been written <laughs> you you your brain doesn't work like everyone's brain and uh and that is a very good thing and i think this book but this book is about that uh you know it, it's, it's going to encourage that and 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 um no it's you know it's just uh, it's it's it really it's one of the it, uh, if i read this as a kid i think i i know it would really have blown my mind and really uh you know it would be one of the books that stuck with me if, if i'd read this as a kid and i think it probably will as, as an adult as well, well so it's very uh, kind to say it's that, very you. enjoyable um now let's. Let, what do you think? I mean, obviously, the criticism that gets levelled at celebrity authors, and I think we have to call you a celebrity author, uh, uh, is that. I mean, I, the, I, I, 
I'd come back in a relatively <laughs> robust way against that. I think you need a personality to be a celebrity. Um, so I, <laughs> yes, I, I completely have a sense of the, the inward groan that yeah. emits if uh, you are aware of someone doing one thing and then they're doing another thing. It just is exhausting. You you can barely accommodate the idea of someone in one arena and here they are in another. <laughs> and um, <laughs> coupled with the thought of me, which I can barely accommodate myself, I yes, it's enough to make you leap in front of anything at a certain velocity coming towards you. <laughs> so, yes, all I can say is I, I um, didn't, quite intend to and uh rest assured they will not be coming thick and fast uh so um i think hopefully much like a gnat maybe if you just stand still it, it will just <laughs> not come near you and uh it will disperse um, yeah that's that's my earnest hope for for those who understandably and i completely am on your side would feel that <laughs> about me writing a book I think, I mean, I, I, to defend uh, comedians especially seem to, mm. and, and writing kids' books, I mean, it does seem a good match for, for comedians to write kids' books. And I think it also, all comedians really are writers. And I think yes. that's the thing that gets lost. It's not like you've just been a bloke telling jokes on TV. I mean, sometimes you've been a bloke yeah. doing stuff that isn't written by you, but, um, but you know, you are, you've always been writing stuff and creating stuff. And so you are a writer. So it's, yeah. it's not it's not like uh, someone just popping out the woodwork. And 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 you've written it yourself, which is uh, something that doesn't happen with all uh, books. Although you've got a book to write itself this time, so maybe that doesn't. Yes, exactly. Count. But um, uh, but uh, but yes. I mean, it, it. I do get it. My wife's a, a children's author, and I meet lots of children's authors. And obviously, like it's there's a frustration in I suppose, but it's more from the point. I, I, I think the frustration's more directed at the media you know yes. that the, they obviously inevitably go for the celebrity books yes it over the over the, the over the ones written by non-celebrities but that's you know that's i don't know it's it's if if, you, if you're getting people out there into bookshops and buying books i don't think that's a a bad thing for everyone and there is i i still think ultimately whether something is there are obviously exceptions but i think over long periods of time uh good things out you know the, yeah. the books that are still around from 30 years ago tend to be good and there's you know there are things that fade away and i don't know how many people are keeping up to date with jackie collins currently but that for whatever reason it just seems to shake out and if something not to say you know as Orson well said you know posterity is a sham um that you can have really bad things still remain and good things can get lost but i i think there's still the hope that good things can stay around and um for this myself i view myself as a, a kind of amateur so i i don't view myself as a kind of professional in any sphere each one is a kind of uh, amateur undertaking so I, I i think to that extent professionals within any of the fields um, I again can completely understand their frustration that this rank yeah. amateur should deign <laughs> to be uh, piddling in this pool. I, but I also feel about, and the more I do this, um, I was reading, I've been reading, reading Janie Godley's book, which might have been out by the time we do this, if I, if I do talk to her. But, you know, the, the pool of the kind of people who get to write books um, 
is such a narrow strata of society yeah. that you know everyone should and this is what this book is about this book is about everyone should be writing or creating and getting stuff down on paper yeah whatever you want to do and uh, you know and i think that's it. there shouldn't be anger at anyone attempting to to do something i think it's it's when when if publishing is a closed shop i don't know if it, I, I feel it's i feel there's there's more democracy in in books than almost anything else that a writer gets to do because there's less yeah interference but that's easy for me as a white man who's managed to get some of my books published to say but um yes well i think i think you can publish it i mean there's not something i know a great deal about and so i can um you know float on in my uh bubble of absolute ignorance as to how the world operates but um you know i remember being at school and um at the end of an english class um people reading out their stories and when someone read a good one it was genuinely thrilling and i remember still some of those stories i can sometimes think of them and i can think particularly of the ones that were funny and it just being great to hear them and um i i i really uh would like it if it felt more that things could be done for the joy of it and um yeah. that's and i think in a way um one of the good things about um stuff in in britain is that because it's not i mean to compare it to america i think a lot of stuff is done for the joy it's not huge money it's not big stakes often you know things here you know comparing say edinburgh festival to big comedy festivals in america so I think yeah. you do get that transmission of things for their own sake and joy for yeah. joy's sake. That's good. Well, that is fantastic. Um, are you re- are you reading anything yourself at the moment, Richard? That you would like to recommend for other authors? Oh, okay. Or, or yourself? Yes. <laughs> I, I I'm really enjoying the John Updike Rabbit series. Okay. And um, that I think is a uh, very good. Um, I am also reading. Um, Francois Truffaut's writing on film, which is great. And he's like a brilliant example of a someone who uh, was not from a kind of a highfalutin background, fell in love with um, French literature, just loved Balzac, was a kind of truant runaway, and became this uh, great uh, bibliophile writer, filmmaker, and uh, kind of felt really transformed by just loving books and creativity and and you get that from his films you know i think in a way he's the best adapter of literature there's ever been in films and he does it by not really trying to disguise that the books that he's adapting so yeah i'd recommend those two great uh, brilliant well yeah. look everyone should uh i want to recommend uh, on top ao Eddie on top which yes. is uh really uh fantastic audio definitely i think probably the book that no one wanted to read are you doing it is there going to be an audio version? Be an, i think there will be yes yeah at some stage okay i think the the printed copy or the or the kindle copy i presume will still have the illustrations yes and, and the illustrations, illustrations. Tor freeman did the illustrations so uh yeah. very grateful to her also deborah eisenberg i'd recommend that's the other deborah eisenberg and wallace sean okay. Okay, okay, good. We've got some good recommendations. We've got do Richard's books are absolutely fabulous, and uh, he's a 
to, are you going to do any more films? Are you, are you uh, yes, it, I think movies? I'm going to try to, yeah, uh, trying to do one. I mean, so you'll know if it fails, if nothing happens <laughs> in the next couple okay. of years. So yes. uh, just keep keep watching the skies. We will. Well, always, whatever you do, Richard, it's always uh, fantastic. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a man of many talents. You can, you know, when you were judging um, Roast Battle, that's a very different, that's a very different skill than writing well, a children's book. In which and you, you were very you're, funny. Well, as you, well, you're, you're doing a very different thing there to, to this. <laughs> yes, I but so. I think in a way, I think we, we grew up in an area uh, or a time when extreme specialisation was somehow seen as an achievement. Like, God, yes. that person's incredible at darts. <laughs> and, but when you look at it, you go, that is, I don't know that that's normal just to be hyper focused <laughs> at one tiny thing i mean it's i really love darts but yeah. uh, most people <laughs> uh do loads of things and um you know i i also think i'm protected by my inability to to excel at any one area so i i end up <laughs> just doing loads of the sort of things well it's 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 good to see i think it's especially good to see you on those kind of shows because i think they you know it's just there's there's some kind of sideways, you know. Again, it's it's just you're not the typical person who would go on there, and you're extremely good. So, um, well, you're very kind. Whatever Richard is doing, just go and look at it and buy it and see it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, Richard. I hope we can tempt you into the theatre at some yes. point to talk more about more things. And thank you to Chris Evans, not that one for producing it. And I think everything's technically, apart from the cameras going off halfway through, it's been technically quite good. It seems so, thank good. you very much. Thanks very much. See you. In, see you. Whatever that will be. Thank you. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash 
ball backslash tour or richardhanging.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.